good news. Lord, pray for the others, people like Sonny and Helen and, and Mac who are recovering and, and continue to recover from things they've gone on, that you would give them strength and healing as well, Lord. And I pray that people would see and we would see your hand move, God, and um, that we would not only be strengthened physically, Lord, but we would be drawn close to you and, and be with the people you called us to be, Lord. And we lift you up and pray for these needs and ask that we would just see your hand upon our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to do a lesson on Genesis chapter 12, doing verses 10 through 20. Continuing on with what we were talking about last week, talking going through the story of Abraham, or Abram as he's called at this point, uh, probably take us into most of the summer with this kind of stuff. Y'all remember last week what happened? Abraham received the call from God that he was going to supposed to leave his family and leave his country and leave his land and go out to a land that God would designate at some point for him to follow, and that's what he did. He had this huge amount of faith that despite the fact he was old, despite the fact that he had all these Canaanites already in the land, despite the fact that he was having to leave his family, his extended family behind, he still had enough faith to follow God to wherever God would take him, even though he didn't know at the time. And he had faith that God would fulfill the promises that he gave him. Well, it's interesting because and as verse nine closes, you look at Abraham, you think, golly, this guy's awesome. Like, I want to be like that guy. He's a man of faith. And then immediately, verse 10 to 20 hits. And you really see that Abraham's another normal guy just like us. Because after he does this massive step of faith in verses 1 through 9, he slips up in verses 10 through 20. And um, the story serves as a warning to us of, where we are, that even people who are godly, even people who are following God, who are where they, they need to be with God and have faith that they can still slip up. We can still encounter situations that cause us to make poor decisions. And we still need God in a way to save us out of some situations. And it's a warning to us, not only to humility, but also to not do what Abraham does in a situation like this, that even the most faithful can do these kind of mistakes too. Um, and so since it's only 10 verses, can I get somebody to read verses 10 through um, 13 and then somebody else to do 14 through 20? We'll just read it all at the beginning. Who wants to do 10 through 13? All right. And there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. 
they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, if they, but they will let me live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. All right, so I'm going to read 14 through 20. So Abraham, he's living in the land of Canaan like God told him to. And it says suddenly there was a famine in the land. Uh, bad enough that Abram decides he needs to do something. Now, it says that he decided to go down to Egypt and to live there for a time. The, the word live there, live there for a time is one word, sojourn. And that's what it means. He wasn't planning a permanent move to Egypt. He was thinking, I'm going to temporarily leave the promised land, and go down to Canaan. The, the interesting thing about verse 10, when it talks about it setting up this story, is we can't really fault Abram for thinking about Egypt because I'm sure there was lots of people that were doing that during the famine time. Um, it wasn't like later where Egypt was harsh to the, to the Israelites. That hadn't occurred yet. So, you know, Egypt has probably accepted a lot of sojourners like this. They had the Nile River. Probably a lot of other people were doing it. But there's one thing that happens in verse 10 that is different from the first nine verses, and that is you don't see God really directing him to do this. So you get a first encounter of him really making steps without any mention of God being involved in it at all. And his decision to do that is because he says, hey, this is what I need to do to take care of my family, and it's only going to be temporary. Those are the excuses he gives. I'm taking care of my family, and it's only temporary. I'm going to leave what God has told me to be. Along the way, he, he begins to get concerned. His decision going down to Egypt makes him a little scared because he looks at his wife and says, boy, you're high. And they're going to see that, and they're going to kill me so they can, somebody's going to kill me so they can take you as their wife. And so he kind of, this tension he has, he begins to hatch a plan where he says, hey, instead of telling people you're my wife, tell them you're my sister, which is not a complete lie, by the way, because in chapter 20, verse 12, we found out that she's actually his half-sister. So it's not a complete lie, but he goes, you know, maybe if we could just do this little bit of a deception, maybe if we kind of tell half of the story, he says his wish will be that things will go well for me. That's what it says inside verse 13. That if you say this, that it may go well for me. For me. For me. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, again, you're starting to see, and you can see, so you start to see these bad decisions. Again, this is juxtaposed. You can't forget this, this is juxtaposed right after 
God promising all that stuff to Abraham and Abraham showing all that faith. Immediately after that, the famine comes. He compromises with the other people doing. He compromises because of his family. He says it's going to be temporary. He says, let's give a little half truth so that things go well for me. And they get to Egypt. And in verse um, see 14, things play out like he expected for a while. Um, it's likely it's possible that the reason why he wanted to tell the story about her being his half his sister is because um, when people wanted it, since he would, I guess, would be the, uh, the head of the family, they would have had to negotiate a dowry and stuff like that with them. And his, if some people thought that maybe his plan was he could get out of it by charging too much or something like that. Or maybe he would he could stall in time for them to escape before something could go wrong. And it works for him a little bit because it says that the Egyptians see her and they do think she's attractive and they're able to live for a little while without fear. But he encounters a hitch. Something happens he doesn't expect. And that is people go and tell Pharaoh about Sarai. And when, Sarah, and when the Pharaoh comes, his plan on charging too much, his plan on stalling, his plan on beating around the bush, that doesn't work And Pharaoh comes a calling at your door. And the passive tense of the passage emphasizes that basically he was helpless to stop Pharaoh from taking his wife away. What's ironic is it actually played out exactly like he said. Because it says... Inside verse 16, do you see the word there in the first sentence? Therefore, he treated Abram well. What did Abram want? He wanted to be treated well. So ironically, he's getting exactly what he had hoped for. He's being treated well, but it was a little bit more of a be careful what you ask for type situation. Because he's getting all this stuff, he's getting this huge dowry, but he has lost his wife. And it's more important than that. Because God's promise to Abraham, or Abram as he's still called here, all hinges on the fact that Abram and Sarai would have a child. So it's not just the fact that he's lost his wife. The entire story of God's salvation to humanity is on the brink of falling apart. God had just said, this is how I'm going to save humanity. And mere months later, Abram's about to ruin it for everybody. Just like Cain and Abel, I mean, uh, Adam and Eve ruined it at the fall. Adam, uh, Abram's about to ruin it for everybody again with his little deceptive lies. And so the fear is not just because of a husband and wife and what lying can do. The fear is, oh my goodness, God's plan for salvation could be ruined before it even gotten the first 100 yards down the gate. But that's not what God lets happen. So when Abraham, or Abram was completely defenseless, when he could not help it, when he had done his darn best to take care of himself and protect himself, and he utterly failed, God stepped in, and the reason why Abram still is blessed, and the reason why Abraham is still protected and the reason why the promise of salvation continued on even from there was because God stepped in 
and save the day from Abram's mistake. Because in verse 17, it says the Lord struck Pharaoh, the house with a great many plagues. The, the word strike there, it gives the indication of, of heavy and severe plagues. And uh, even though it doesn't say why, somehow apparently Pharaoh figures out why all these plagues are coming to their household. Um, possibly it's that Sarah wasn't getting anything or Abram wasn't getting any of the plagues. And so they kind of put two to two together. It's just speculation. But at some point, Pharaoh kind of comes to his senses and he realizes that Abram's lied to him and he goes to him and he gives this huge rebuke to him for being a liar, for being deceptive. And Abram can't say anything. He's defenseless. He can't return back anything because he knows it's true. I mean, he knows he's messed up. He knows he's, he's the one that made all this wrong possible because of his cutting corners and his compromises along the way. And God saves Sarai and Abram from not just losing their marriage, but from losing the promise of the salvation coming from their family. There's no indication in this passage that Pharaoh and Sarai had did anything while they were together. Um, the, back then, it's, they had usually had long processes to prepare women before they got formally married to people. Like in the book of Esther, she had she prepared for a year before she saw Xerxes. Um, and so there's no indication. That's why he was able to just be like, here, take her back again, because nothing really happened. He just had her and was preparing her in her harem, but nothing happened between them. But now he does. He said in verse 19 you just better be glad I didn't take her my wife. Yeah, yeah, that's what he means, yeah. Uh, they were preparing her for that process. They hadn't gone through that yet. And uh, not only does he, does Abram leave, but verse 20, Pharaoh tells his men to escort them out the door, like bouncers. They, they kick him out because of what happened. And he leaves with all this stuff but uh, at the cost of almost losing his wife. So it's a pretty brief story. That's really all it is. So let me ask you guys these questions. Well, first, let me see what, if y'all have any questions before I ask you all these questions. This story indicates that men had a very shallow feeling for their wives. Is, the, is that a general way that uh, they felt during that period of time. Just, most people who would think would die for their wife. Well, I guess he that's just gave, that way. Gave them away. Is that, uh, well, I don't know if I would call his shallow. I don't think his intent was ever for her to actually leave him. I think it surprised him that Pharaoh wanted her. And I think Pharaoh's power prevented him from doing anything about it. Now, I guess you could argue that he could have, you know, jumped on his sword and tried to fight for physically or something like that. Um, he was 75, to keep that in mind at this point. Um, but I, I don't necessarily would think his, his life was shallow. I think he was trying to save his own skin with the story, and I don't think he ever thought that she would actually be able to leave him uh, or be taken away from him, I mean, by anybody. I think it, I think it surprised him that it had it went all the way up to Pharaoh's house. Because, yeah, 
because like I said, um, since he was the head of the household, then, and she was, she would have been under him, the fan person asking in marriage would probably have to negotiate a dowry and other stuff with the family. And the commentators think what he probably was thinking was I could make that process so complicated that either people wouldn't want to marry her or he would have time to leave before anything could happen. Uh, the problem with Pharaoh is there was no price he could set <laughs> with Pharaoh. I mean, that's why, that's why it talks about Pharaoh giving him all that stuff in 16. That's why Pharaoh gave him all that stuff. So his plan backfired on him because he literally couldn't say anything to Pharaoh that Pharaoh couldn't give him. We're reading the in order to avoid what he did. What do you mean what he did? Gave his wife away for his personal safety. Yeah. It's a horrible thing that he did. It is horrible. I guess his other option would have been to die, try to sneakily kill him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's one of the points of this story. Um, because God just told him all. The, I mean, if you look back in verse two and three, he told them that through Sarai and Abraham together, that God's going to make a great nation. And then verse three, he tells them if anybody curses them, God's going to curse them back. So he's already told them he's going to provide for them. And he told them he's going to protect them. And then immediately in verse 10, like you said, he forgets. He's, his fear for his own, his own life causes him to basically figure out how he can do things to work it out instead of just trusting that God's already promised to him in his word. If you had trusted God, it would not have happened. Correct. Well, it's kind of consolation for us, mm -hmm. even in our best attempts. Our babies. Abraham didn't have, you know, yeah. the father nation did. Mm -hmm. Grandfather, mm -hmm. whatever he was, was poor and, and lacking in the same skills. We're poor, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I can relate to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think um, you know when we look at this passage, one of the things we can get keyed in on is this lying that he did, and on Abraham, but. Um, the almost feel like the main purpose of this story is what it says about God and what he does in this story. So my first question to you guys is what does this story teach us about God? It's faithful. What do you mean by that? He keeps his word. He says He comes through, he makes a promise, he keeps that promise. Yeah. He makes sure of it by causing plagues mm -hmm. so that Pharaoh would take Sarah. So he made sure that his promise would stand. Yeah. Even if he was messed up. Even though we don't understand yeah. how he's doing it. 
Yeah. Do it. Yes. I think that's the main point of this story that even when we're faithless and even when we do stupid stuff, <laughs> God is always faithful in keeping his promises he's told us in his word, especially his promises related to salvation. Um, because the promise to Abraham is the beginning of the promise of salvation. So that can be hugely encouraging, right? That, you know, we as Baptists, we believe in this thing called perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved, which is the belief that once you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are always uh, a saved. You can't do anything to lose your salvation. There's other Christians that think if you've uh, if you sin too much, that your salvation can be lost. Bat the traditional Baptist belief, or at least Southern Baptist belief, is that once you place your faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many mistakes you make or how many lies you do, you're still saved because at that point, it's based on God's promise, not your works. And so you see that in this story, that even though Abram was unfaithful, and even though Abram was cutting corners and he was lying. God made sure that his part of the deal always stood up and he, he, despite everything. What does it tell us about us? What are some things about us we see in this passage? We're not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some of the most important people in the Bible are no different. Yeah. 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 A few weeks ago, I actually had to rescue me when I messed up. So I had. Well, I had. And you know, I immediately. Yeah. You know, I'm terrible with it. I mean, it's all the way to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for us, it teaches one, even if you're lit, like Abraham. I keep wanting to call him Abraham. Abram, he has done so far exactly what God has told him to, even making great sacrifices to do it. He's in the promised land. He's exactly where God wants him to be. The first thing we see is that even though he's done all that, he still experienced a famine. He ex still experienced some sort of difficulty that made it difficult for him to live in life. And I think that's one truth we need to see from this is that just because we are in God's will doesn't mean we're not going to experience famines in life. The second one, which I, I know y'all have been hit telling me, and, and so these are not different. These are things that y'all have said already, um, is that when we do experience that fit, famine, sometimes we get fear, and that fear can cause us to compromise our convictions. Um, we can attempt to try to fix things on our own instead of just trusting God in faith. And we'll make excuses like Abraham did. We'll say stuff like, well, this is just a temporary thing. You know, I'm doing this temporarily. Uh, you know, I'll hear it all the time. People be like, uh, 
you know, I'm, I, I'm having this difficulty. I'll just use money. I hate using money. It's the first one that's come to my mind though. Somebody that tithes regularly and has a financial difficulty and they're like, well, I'm going to temporarily quit, quit tithing to the church. It's just a temporary thing. You know, the, they, their convictions, they'll, you might be telling a half truth to get out of a problem or a lie. We can begin to have these fears and these famines that cause us to cut through our convictions like that. And one of them is lying, like he mentions here, or saying a half truth. Um, I think the encouragement, like Teresa and y'all were saying, and Jim was saying, is that the Bible characters did this, the best Bible characters, like Abraham, Abram, like the. I mean, people like Samson were bad Bible characters. Abram was a good one. <laughs> and he was even the best ones messed up. And so it makes us feel better when we realize that in our own lives we messed up. And it also puts a little humility in us when we realize when we are doing well, we can still mess up. And we, at that point, can celebrate the fact that, like the story says, God keeps his promises to us. And he promised a salvation to us. Christ still died for us, even in all of that. So what do y'all think of some stuff? And this is my last question. Even though I, I would, well, I'll just save that one later. That's probably a bigger debate. Um, so what are some stuff we can do now? You know, if we believe that, how should we act now because of it? Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this story isn't saying like, if you have a medical problem, don't seek a doctor. It's saying when there's an issue, don't compromise your, your convictions during those times. There's a difference between those two solutions. You know, saving money for retirement is not the same as, um, hoarding money just for yourself out of fear of something happening. Those are two different things. Stay in the word too. Because it's easier for you to do the right thing mm -hmm. if you're staying in the word. That's true. Because the promise God gave him is his word. And if he had been focused on what God's word was to him, he probably would have not have done that. But he lost focus on God's actual word to him. If you do compromise your God will pull you back in in time. No, he didn't do Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a rough way back. Well, yeah. You know, he might, you know, metaphorically let the wife get taken away for a little while, you know, to in Pharaoh's household. But God's going to find a way to, to keep his promises to you. Yeah. 